Wonderful Heavenly Father. Lord, You're the one that moves our hearts to a degree that nothing else does, Lord. Oh, how we love to be in Your presence. Lord, we love Your Word. We love to uh, dwell in the truth, to walk in the light, oh God. For there we have fellowship. There we have cleansing. There, Lord, is everything that we have need of. And we invite You, Lord, to open up the windows of heaven tonight. Pour out blessings upon blessings upon your children, Lord. We're so glad to be gathered together with saints of like precious faith tonight. Lord, we know that you are present. You are the word. You are the one that discerns the heart. You know the feelings. You know the things that we're going through. You know the struggles, the battles, the trials, Lord. And you being the one that discerns, you are the one that is able to meet everyone in their individual need. And so we invite you, Lord, to just move through us as the word this evening. We know that you're here. And Lord, we want you to have the preeminence. We want you to take your liberty. Lord, we might have some notes. We might have some thoughts. But Lord, we surrender that all at your feet tonight. And say, Lord, have your way. As we commit ourselves into your hands for your glory. And ask your blessing upon the reading of the word and the speaking thereof in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Let's take our Bibles, turn to the book of Romans chapter 12. While you're turning there, I want to bring you greetings from uh, Brother Darren Boyer in Edmonton. Uh, also, Brother Harold Hildebrandt, uh, Brother Darren Boyer, excuse me, in Grand Prairie, Brother Harold Hildebrandt in Edmonton, Brother Ed Hammermeister uh, in Edmonton, and Lord just gave us real wonderful meetings up there in the north. Also had the opportunity to see some of the family, so everybody sends their love and greetings, especially Brother Harold said, especially greet Brother Biscoe for me, and uh, he's doing as good as I've seen him for some time, and so... We're just so glad. I don't know if you knew, but he broke his arm. And uh, maybe that just kind of spurred him forward a little bit. And sometimes you got to have a little bit of a struggle to make you push forward. But uh, he's, he's doing all right. And we spent some time in fellowship with Brother Hildebrandt. So continue to bear him up and his family and your prayers. Um, and we just are so thankful for what the Lord's doing in Edmonton and in Grand Prairie. And while we were away, we were so sorry to hear of the loss of the Keene family and the Hofer family. It was a shock to us, and we've been in much prayer. But God knows. Amen. You know, if we would go that way, just remember what Jesus said about Lazarus. I was thinking about it, how that he says to the disciples, Lazarus sleepeth, and I go to wake him. And, uh, and you know, they didn't understand what he was talking about. And they, they thought, well, he's just resting and it's a good idea for him to rest. No, no, no. He says, I'll put it in your language. You say he's dead. I say he's sleeping. He's waiting to be awakened. And so are those that are in Christ Jesus that go on the other side. Jesus cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And Brother Branham said, if he had not have said Lazarus, all the dead will come forth. And there's been a voice that's been initiated by the message of the hour. Jesus does all three things while he's descending. Shout, voice, and trumpet. And those that go before us are just waiting for that voice to materialize and they'll join us again. Praise be to God. 
So we are not, we do not sorrow, as Paul says, as the world does. We sorrow with a hope. We do sorrow. It is a loss. The families are suffering. We know what that is, but yet in the midst of all of that, we have a great promise. Hallelujah. We're a part of a great end time message and and uh, I know you've been in prayer. We've been in prayer for the families and we want to give them our love and our greetings and and let them know uh, though we've been away, we certainly have not been away in our hearts. And, you know, we're all one body. We are. And uh, we thank God that we're one body. Where would we be without this message? I'll tell you where you'd be. You'd be in some ecumenical movement. You know, you'd be, or you'd be in some bar room, or you'd be somewhere else out there in the world. I'm so glad. <laughs> I am so glad for the truth in this hour. Praise be to God. Now we've been in a subject of the mind that has wisdom. And I hear that I've reached the statutes of limitations. As I said, tonight is part four uh, of the mind that has wisdom. And I, I've been dealing with the mind realm. And because soul, spirit, body, been dealing with the spirit realm. And we find here in Romans chapter 12, as we take that as our text, I want to read a couple of uh, scriptures before we have you seated. Romans chapter 12, it says here, I beseech you therefore, brethren. Now remember, Paul speaking here he's to brethren. He's not speaking to unbelievers. He's speaking to those that have been converted. Those that have the Holy Ghost. And he's, but he's not dealing with the soul realm. Alright? But he says, By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith, or we could say the measure of revelation, because faith is a revelation. All right, now over in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2 and verse 1. If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God 
also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. The Lord had His blessing to the Word. You may be seated. Now, uh, we've been uh, in uh, this thought of the mind or the mind that has wisdom. And uh, let the mind that was in Jesus Christ be in you. And and uh, and Paul taking this thought in, in Romans as we would, of being not conformed to the world, but being transformed. And Brother Branham, in the message, Power Transformation, takes that thought and he says, Now that we have been saved, as we are, and that we have been filled with the Holy Spirit, as we have, now we want the mind that was in Christ to be in us. That we might be transformed from the natural things of life, And brought in to do the perfect will of God by transformation of God's Spirit by His Word. Amen. Amen. So now we realize that, that, uh, we have, uh, we have a, a three-part being, body, spirit, and soul. The soul being the innermost person in which there is a predestinated seed gene that that has yearned for quickening even before we were born again. Didn't matter whether you were born in a message home or not in a message home. Didn't matter where you were born in the world. Doesn't matter what country you were born in the world. It makes no difference to the soul realm because the soul is predestinated to be quickened by the word of the hour. Only the elect of the hour can be born again. Only the elect of the hour had been in the mind of God. And that's why he sent the message that your seed gene was predestinated not only to be quickened by, but specifically to respond to and receive the benefit of. But yet though in our soul realms, there's really no difference. The same message quickens every soul the same way. Alright? The new birth is the same to everyone. There's no big new birth and little new birth. Right? There's no, there's no one person gets more of a new birth and another person gets less of a new birth. When you're born again of the Spirit of God, it changes your nature into God's own nature. It puts divine love or the Holy Spirit on the inside of the inside, burns out all the unbelief, seals you until the day of your redemption. Praise be to God. And so we have this great experience with God, but I will say our mind experience or our spirit experience is all different. Many of you come from different backgrounds. You come from different cultures. You come from different uh, education. You come from different families. You come from different languages. And all of these things are the natural things that Brother Branham was speaking about here when he said that we want the mind of Christ to that we might be transformed from the natural things of life and be brought into do the perfect will of God By transformation of God's Spirit by His Word. Now he's not speaking of the new birth here. He says, 
You have been converted. You have been saved. You have received the Holy Ghost. He says now there's a transforming work that's being taken place. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he says, We all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. The new birth is not from glory to glory. The new birth is a change in a moment. The new birth is a transformation that happens all at once. But the transforming of the mind is something different. There's a process of character development. There's a process of trials and overcoming. That God gives us individually to overcome. And I could say even some of us are masculine and some of us are feminine. I'm thinking of men and women. I don't think there's some men that are feminine or some women that are masculine in the body of Christ. Amen. There's men and there's women. And God has chosen you and allotted you to a different experience in life. You can't say, oh, I regret being a woman. Or I regret being a man. Or I wish I was the other. Any more than you can say, well, I wish I was born in another age. Or I wish I was born in another family. Or I wish I was born in, a, in, a, in another country. Or I wish I spoke a different language. You can't wish any of that. You are what you are by the grace of God. And so because of that now we all have an individual experience. But the same word that applies to all of us is molding us from wherever we are into the image of Christ. As I said before, even the negative things that we have gone through and individually we might say, why has God allowed this thing to happen in my life? It's because he's proving that the blood of Jesus Christ is greater than the negative that you have gone through. Amen. Amen. Doesn't matter what kind of scars you got. Doesn't matter what happened in your past. And it's all different. That's got nothing to do with it. We have the perfect word. We have the open word in this hour. We have the power of God that has been loosed into the church. Because the fullness of the word has only come in this hour. There was part of it that was hidden until this age. Because this age was the days of the voice of the seventh angel. And when he begins to sound, then the mystery of God is finished. Alright? Not before that. You say, well, it's all hidden in the Bible. But you don't have it unless it's revealed. And when it's revealed to you, that's when you possess it. Because revelation is faith, and faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of not of things not seen. And so we recognize then that we have this word that has been revealed in this hour, which is a greater word than any hour. Brother Bram takes it from 1 Corinthians 13. He says, when that which is perfect is come. That which is in part shall be done away with. Now, by God's grace, we have the perfect interpretation of the word. It's not to say that that we are a super church, though we are a super church. But the point is not to say we are a super church. The point is the fullness of the power of redemption has been loose to bring us fully into the mind of Jesus Christ. So let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. It's all here now. What a message. Let me just say it. You're a blessed people. Don't sit there with a sad look on your face. Now I sound like Brother Tom. (laughs) Everybody, you know, there's a reason to smile. There are reasons to be sad. There are reasons. But there's always a reason for a believer to have joy. 
It's not to say we're joyful all the time. We go through valleys. We go through mountaintops. We go through experience. We go through trials. We go through different things. I'll show you. Brother Branham talked about it in a little bit. But in the midst of all that, even when we're down in the depths of the valley, as David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We've got something that holds us in the midst of the trial. We've got something that we can lift our head up to heaven and say, Oh, thank God that I'm walking in this light. So it says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. I just meditated on these scriptures for some time now. I've heard, I heard a great man say, sometimes you just stare at it and you're sure there's more there than you're seeing. You know, and, uh, he says, but he made himself of no reputation. I don't want to go into the Greek. I've gone into some of the Greek words in the previous parts, but the greatest of heaven, Became small. The very person of the creator. The very one without whom there would be no universe. Became small. Thought though not robbery to be equal with God. He was the logos or the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. But he made himself of no reputation. So now... In that mind, now when I say mind, I don't mean literally we lose our mind and we put another mind in. But what I mean is that the thought process of Jesus is to be the thought process of the bride. That's what the scripture is telling us by let this mind be in you. Now, in that mind, which we are to be. It was not simply doctrine that he was equal with God. It's not, this is my doctrine. Or this is what we believe. No, it was revelation. And revelation is what the gates of hell cannot prevail against. And he walked by perfect faith in what the Word said he was. So the Word was fully revealed because he was the Word. And he walked by perfect faith in that word. And his thoughts aligned perfectly to the word, for he was the word. But his thoughts did not align to the world, because man in his theological religious thinking had taught for doctrines the commandments of men and made this word of no effect. So in other words, the thought processes of theology, the thought processes of Pharisees, the thought processes of Sadducees, the thought ideas had made the Bible a teaching, had made it a letter, had made it an idea of man, and had taken the life out of it. But now Jesus says, I am come that you might have not doctrine, but life. And that you might have it more abundantly. 
And so Jesus had come, the Word had become flesh, the Word had been restored back to the form that God gave it in in Moses. As Jesus said to them, He says, if you would have believed Moses, you would believe me. Because I am the manna that came down back then. I'm the true bread of life. I'm the one that Moses spoke of. I'm the fulfillment of Moses' prophecy. But they couldn't see it. Because they had made the word of God a letter. And I'll just say it this way. This message is not a letter. This message is not just a set of doctrines. It's not just a set of teaching. This message came again to make this Bible life. It came to bring the Bible alive. It didn't come to write another Bible. See, if you thought it's another Bible, then you don't understand the five musts that Brother Branham talked about in trying to do God a service without it being His will. It must be in its season. This is not the season to write another Bible. This is not the time to write another Bible. This is the time of the voice of the seventh angel where He will reveal all the mysteries that were contained in this Word. And He would send it by the men by whom He sends it. And because it's a revelation, he, it must be a prophet. And because it's a prophet, it must be vindicated. Amen. Amen. That's just the reality. This mind, Jesus' thoughts, were, were actually the expression of the Word. See, that's why people have su- such a hard time with the message. is because man, once again, took the Bible... And put it into Bible schools. And made the word of God of no effect. And made it into Catholic dogmas. And and and, and Lutheran dogmas. And, and Baptist and Pentecostal and Methodist. And all kinds of different ideas. But God came in the last days when he said. When that which is perfect has come. In the days of the voice of the seventh angel. I will restore all of these sayings that he said that there will come a time. It's not just to to make it a new doctrine. But to take the word of God and express it with the mind of Christ once again. A greater than Solomon is here. So we see that now. The Word of God now is a prophet with a 7th grade education as he begins to express things from the Word that is so contrary to their theological teaching. That's not the way we phrase it because of the Greek and the Hebrew or because of this to because of, uh, I can't even think of the theologians' names, whether it be Copernicus or Gamaliel or, or this one or that one, all of these, these Augustine or different ideas on down through the ages. God says in the last days, When the seventh angel is sounding, that will reveal the mysteries. That will show you what you're missing that's laying in the Word. And when they heard it, they couldn't receive it any more than they could in Jesus' day because they were astonished at His doctrine. Never a man spake like this man. And they couldn't receive it because it was so contrary to the way they understood it. But what they really had to do was lose their understanding and let the mind that was in Jesus Christ come into them. And Paul says, so are you also to lose your own understanding of things. It doesn't matter what background you came from. Let God reveal to you His true revelation of His Word. For a greater, I'll say a greater than the greater of Solomon is here. Now let's look what Jesus did so we see what we're to do. 
So it says in verse 7 of chapter 2 of Philippians, it says, He made himself of no reputation. And I, I was pondering that thought and looked at it from all kinds of different angles. One, one version says he stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity. This was God, Emmanuel, God with us. The fullness of the Godhead dwelling bodily. But he stripped himself of his privileges and his rightful dignity. Literally, the words in the Greek says he emptied himself. Just he emptied himself. And so now I'll just say it this way. Rights and privileges you can't do anything about. That's why Paul goes into Romans 12. He says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think according as God has revealed himself to you. Or according as the measure of faith you have. Alright, now don't think any higher than that. You have a specific place in God's mind. He always has been thinking about you. You've always been in your mind. I have a uh, young lady that lives in my house. And uh, always when I travel, she says, uh, do you miss me? Do you miss me? In other words, are you thinking about me? Are you thinking about me? It's okay. It's alright. I'm not going to be hard on you. And uh, But you know, that's just natural. But you never have to think that with God. He's always thinking about you. He made this whole creation to fellowship with you. And so now God in His great mind, as He, as He's, He literally now, He comes down into flesh because of us. And His, uh, we're on His mind, but now He takes His privileges, He takes His right, and He lays that aside, or He empties Himself of that. Because Christ being the second Adam, He had all the rights that Adam lost. He wasn't born in sin. So he had rights to the tree of life. He was the tree of life. He had rights to inheritance. He had rights to all those things. Alright? But now he's, he's laying down those privileges. He had, he had rights to, to live forever. He didn't have to be born again. Because he was born right the first time. He was born by the incorruptible seed of God. He was born by the spoken word. Alright? So now, not needing to be born again, but yet he could tell us, we need to be born again. And so, but he laid down his rights, or he emptied himself of his privileges, because now he's, now remember, this is the mind now, because he wants to do one thing, fulfill the word. That he was called to fulfill. Now let this mind that was in Christ be in you. Say, so, well, I got privileges. You know, we're living in a, the age of people's rights. Aren't we? It's a, you have a right. I'll just say it this way. I was thinking about it this way this afternoon. You have a right to be conformed to the deformity of this age. But you have to lay down those rights. You have a right to you say, well, I have a right to choose. You do have a right to choose. You can't choose to be a predestinated seed. You can't choose to be bride. God chooses his own bride. But you can choose whether or not to serve him. That's your choice. That's your free moral agency. And so you have, we're living in this age of, 
of people's rights and and you can allow or you can be conformed and I'll just say some things now you can choose to be conformed to your upbringing or not you can choose to be conformed to your family ideas well this is the way my family is or this is the way we do things you can be you can choose that or you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind you can be choose to be conformed to your education well, I learned this in school and they taught that and, and, and you know, I've learned these kind of things and it maybe doesn't line up with exactly the way Brother Branham described it. Well, you can choose to be deformed to that, conformed to that. Or you can choose to be transformed into the thoughts of God, the one who created the heavens and the earth. It's up to you. You can choose to be conformed to your culture. You can decide that this is the way we do it. You know, I, th- I see it so many times all around the world, not just here. But many times people come from different places. And we have a very, I hate the word, but I'll say multicultural church. Uh, we have uh, people from diff- all kinds of different backgrounds here. We have Africans, we have Asians, we have North Americans, we have South Americans. We have all kinds of people right here. And where you're from has a certain way of doing things. Is that right? You know, and I'll say, you have to be careful because even if I talk about families for a moment, so excuse me for saying it this way, if you decide to raise your family the way that you all, it always, families has always been raised in your culture, you're walking on dangerous ground because that won't work here. And I just talk about one culture different from another culture. But yet in the midst of all of that, you can be, you can choose to be conformed to that. This is the way we do things. This is the way we have family. This is the way we, or you can allow the word of God to transform you into the mind of Jesus Christ. Because if we're all transformed into the mind of Jesus Christ, won't we see the word the same way? All right. I'm not telling you how to raise your families. You got to come to that revelation yourself. You can be conformed to your language. I know Brother Murphy and I has, has had it out uh, many times about English versus Chinese and and that barbaric language called Chinese and you know how that he says English is a barbaric language and I say you know English only needs twenty six characters, not thirty thousand. And uh, you know so we just go back and forth when it comes to Chinese and I don't I'm not sure how he's interpreting this right now actually. He might be saying something completely different. <laughs> but yet in the midst of all of it, you know, Chinese puts a certain slant on things because of the way it vocalizes things. As does Spanish, as does French. As I said to my wife today, um, uh, she gave me some food and I says, muchos gracias. And I said, or as the French would say, gracias muchos. You'll get that later. In other words, they just turn things around and say things differently and it puts a perspective on things, but it's not language. We're being transformed not to English or French. And I know people say, well, when the prophecy went over Brother Branham, it was in the French language. You know, well, that's true, but there's 1,200 messages in the English language. But I'm not supporting English just because I speak English. There's a mind that is greater than any language. 
The mind that comes by revelation, not by the teaching of a language. And that mind is the mind that the bride of Jesus Christ is being transformed into. So all of these things contribute to deform the mind if we let it. And we need a mind transformation that we are because we are called to walk by perfect faith in what the word says we are. We are called to walk by perfect faith in what the Word says we are. Not to walk by perfect faith that I'm a believer. Or God sent a prophet. Or I've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. No, all of the Word. Let this mind that was in Christ, the full revelation of the Word, come into you or be in you. Amen. I want to say this while I'm on the subject. Young people, you can choose to be conformed to the world's idea of decency. Or you can let the word transform your mind. What's, I was, I was pondering it today and I I don't know if I'm here now, I might as well say it, but You know, even 50 or 75 years ago, people were judgmental against divorce. They were against adultery. They were against homosexuality. All of these kind of things. But now it's reversed. They are now judgmental against those that are against divorce. Or against those that are against homosexuality. Or against those that are against these different things. Immorality and so on and so forth. So the world is completely flipped. And you can be conformed to where the world has gone. Or you can be transformed by the word. You can't be both. The word of God instructs us in decency. It instructs us in proper attire. Amen. Instruct us in proper conduct. Between young men and young women. Between brothers and sisters. Even between husbands and wives. And all of those things. There is there is a reality that is revealed in the word of God. And the thoughts of Jesus Christ. The way he thought is the way we are to think. Amen. That's why the word has come like this. The word has come to being to bring God's idea of relationship. It's come to bring God's idea of marriage. It's come to bring God's idea of, of communication. It's come to bring God's idea of all of those kind of things. And bring us into a reality of an outlook in life that is the word of God. And as we walk in this age with the mind of Jesus Christ, yes, the age grieves us. But it's also the Spirit of God that lifts us up above this age and says, I'm not of this world. I might be in the midst of Laodicea. I might be in the midst of Satan's Eden. But as I walk in this, in this fruitless garden of Laodicea, I will say, I am not of this, but I am going to be resurrected. I am going to be raptured out of here. My mind is not on this world. I can't fit into this world. I cannot fit into this world. I can't think, you know, I'm, 
I, I just am that way lately. I just, as I look around me and, and realize how much God has changed my life and changed my thinking, I realize I can't walk the way the world walks. I can't think like them. I can't act like them. It's not something that I don't want. It's not that I'm trying to say, oh, you know, I don't want to behave wrong because I don't want to miss the rapture. That's not it. There's something in me that I can't live like that. There's a life on the inside. There's a well of water bubbling up. There's a resurrection power that's laying within me that says, this is not my home. I was just up in Grand Prairie. I got family in Grand Prairie. I got family in Edmonton. I was visiting and I was thinking about it up there. And I said to the saints in Grand Prairie, you know, I used to think Grand Prairie was home. I says, now I call Cloverdale home. But yet, no matter where I am, I don't feel at home. Because really, none of it is my home. We've got a heavenly home. Because this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Because our treasures truly are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. There's a reality of God that has moved us into another mind and another mindset and another thought process. We can, it's, it is so hard for us, and I pity those of you that have to do it, but it is so hard for us to figure out what the world is thinking. You read the news, and it doesn't matter what article or what news you're reading, it's like, what are they thinking? What are they thinking? Like that is not even, never mind common sense, it's not even sanity. And the things that are happening and the way, but the way they're thinking, why is that like that? It's because your mind has been lifted up. Because you have received a message that has transformed your mind into a higher realm of thinking, into the very mind of Jesus Christ. Last time I spoke on this subject, I was speaking about a sympathetic mind and the dangers of it. And I got to thinking about different types of minds that we have because of the way that we have been. Whether we've been raised or educated or whatever more. But, so I was thinking about the mind of a businessman. So I was talking about sympathetic minds. I'm going to talk for a few minutes about the mind of a businessman. But as I began to think about it, I thought, you know, what is a businessman? And what is business? Because we're living in an age that has come about because of, I'll just say it, capitalism, free market forces, and a society that has engaged in trade and and prosperity at a level never before seen in the world. And so it's it's created a certain mindset to do with economy and money and different things. And uh and so I begin to think of that because we really are living in a more prosperous age than ever before. And now you might individually be going through a financial hard time. That doesn't make no difference. But it's it's an age of opportunity that uh, a mind can set itself to. And so I, I want to call it the mind of a businessman. Because the mind of a businessman is a mind of earthly success. I'll say our homes are bigger than they've ever been. Come on. Used to be a family my size. We're expecting our 10th child. Double digits. I never thought I'd say that. 
But, you know, a family even my size, how many, how many, Brother Dale, do you have? Twelve. Twelve. You got me beat by a long shot. <laughs> but a family that size would live in a 800 square foot house. Used to be. Now we'd call that child abuse. How could a family that size live in an 800? That's what it used to be. Not too long ago either. But now we live in bigger homes than we ever have. Now we have smaller families than we ever had before. Living in bigger homes than we ever had before. We drive bigger vehicles than we ever did before. Maybe not compared to some of the boats of days gone by. But, you know, more bells and whistles. More fancy. You know, I, I was talking to the brothers up north. You know, nobody wants a... Uh, a, what do they call it? A regular cab pickup. What do they call that? Just a regular cab. You know, just three seats in a pickup truck, two-wheel drive, roll-down windows, you know, that you got to crank. Nobody wants that anymore. It's got to be four-by-four. It's got to be crew cab. It's got to have all the bells, electric windows, press the button, and down goes the window, you know, all those kind of things. Heated steering wheel and heated seats and heated mirrors and, and a heads-up display on the windshield and all this kind of stuff. All the bells and whistles. We're living in a prosperous age. We're living in a prosperous age. You know, there's there's 2.2, this is an old statistic, but it's probably more than this now, but there's 2.2 billion square feet of public storage space in America. That's where people store their stuff. They rent a place. It's no wonder people in the third world say Americans and Canadians rent apartments just to store stuff. Pretty prosperous. And God, you know, God will bless somebody. Alright, I'm not, I'm not making fun of that. I'm not saying, you know what, we ought to sell it all and give it all to missions. That would be a good idea. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that, you know, we, we have this attitude that we take on without really realizing it. We have a deformity or a conformity to the deformity because that's what the world's after. Like the guy that I saw one time with the bumper sticker, he that has the most toys when he dies wins. That's not real. That's a deformity. You're not taking any of it with you. The only thing you're taking with you is character. And character is not a gift. Character is a molding. Therefore, it's related to the suffering that you go through in your mind battles. Because that's what God's molding in you to take with you. Because power which He's given you without character is demonic. But power with character is fit to rule. And to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne in these last days. And so we realize then that that you're in a battle, I'm in a battle. But it's a battle with a purpose. Praise God. We're in a battle. It's easy to talk to young men. You know, they, the army, they like young men because they can only, you know, we're going to fight. We're going to fight the enemy. But I want to say we are fighting the enemy. Doesn't matter whether you're young men or young women or middle-aged men or middle-aged women. God forbid that I go any further than that. But you know, we're here in a battle because it's a battle for character. And part of that battle for character is a battle for humility. Jesus humbled himself. He emptied himself of his privileges and his rights and took on the form of a servant. 
He did this. This was his thoughts, his mind. My only purpose in life is to do the Father's will. My meat is to do the will of the Father. And so we realize that, that, that there's a deformity to the age. Because you're living in this age, it's not just here in a prosperous North America or over there in Europe, Brother Jonas, where it's prosperous also, but it's in third world countries. Different ones that want to get to a prosperous country. Or they want to have more as though that's an answer. It's a false mirage. And it's not, it has no part in our satisfaction. I'll say it again, it has no part in our satisfaction. Whether we have much or whether we have little, that's irrelevant. But really what I, I want to speak about is the mind of prosperity in Laodicea. Brother Brown says usually prosperity causes sin. Many people look upon prosperity as blessings. This is in the way of a true prophet. He says it would be if we, he says it would be if we could handle it right. But it usually leads to sin dishonoring God. Brother Branham talks about it, talks about businessmen. I was studying on what he said about businessmen in the message influence. As he spoke about Uzziah getting out of his place. And how that he was a successful king. But what made him get out of his place was his success. He had accomplished something. He had a kingdom that was next to Solomon's. In the greatness of his kingdom. He had ruled for a long time. And, and he had great respect in the nations all around. And within the nation that he was king over. But because of his success. He got out of his position. Instead of staying in his place. He thought he could become a minister. and he, so he, Or a priest. And go and offer incense in the temple. And Brother Bradham used that to instruct the businessmen. He says, "You've God has blessed you and you've been successful. Now listen. Now, this is the way the mind is working. You've been successful now, and you think you can take the place of a minister because of your success. He says, don't do it. He says, it's hard enough for ministry to get it right. And it's a gift from God. So now we can learn from this. And I'm not talking about businessmen or not businessmen. But what I'm saying is we can learn from this and realize I need to find my place and stay there. Let each man think according as God has dealt to him the measure of revelation. Don't judge yourself by success just because Laodicea judges themselves by their success. That even the age is spoken of, because thou sayest, I am rich, I am increased with goods, I have need of nothing. In other words, I'm successful, I don't have need of anything else, but you don't know your poor, wretched, miserable, blind, and naked. That's the reality of the age we're living in. They're miserable, they're blind, they're naked. All the time they say we're rich. All of those things. By the statistics... You know, if we, if we talked about statistics, and, and I have it somewhere, but the desirableness, the desirableness of, of what the stats are. You know that in this age, 51% of people 18 to 25, this was 10 years ago anyway, said that becoming famous was an important goal. 51%, over half the young people. In Britain, 
Number one thing. What's the best top three things in the world? Number one, being a celebrity. Number two, good looks. Number three, being rich. The top priorities in life. God came in last. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. He made himself of no no reputation. No reputation. Not interested in fame. Not interested in money. The foxes even have holes. The birds even have nests. But the Son of Man has not where to lay his head. He had a garment, and that was it. And they divided his garment. Uh, they, they, they threw dice for his garments when he died, and that sort of thing. He had nothing. He wasn't interested in celebrity. He wasn't interested in being famous. There was no beauty in him that we should desire him. Hello, sisters. Maybe I'll look over here. He wasn't pursuing beauty. He wasn't pursuing good looks. He wasn't trying to be physically attractive. Rather, he was made to not stand out in a crowd. There was nothing about him, his dynamism, his, his attractiveness, his fame, whatever more, even though by, by the works of God, yes, the fame did spread, but it wasn't him, it was the works that God did. Are you still with me? Brother Branham says, and I don't want to keep you long tonight. He says in the message influence, always keep humble. Be little in your own sight. No matter what God does for you, just see how much more humbler you can be all the time. More God blesses you, just keep getting more humble all the time. He can continue to bless. But when you get to a place you think, I've got it, you haven't got it. You're on your road out. You lose your influence. You lose the strength of your testimony. It says, when you women want to be like the rest of the women, there's something wrong. When you men, you ministers, try to pattern after somebody else. When you businessmen try to do business on the scale that somebody else would do it on because you're prosperous, Prosperity don't always represent success in Christ. Sometimes very much to the contrary. Amen? Amen. Another place in another message called Influence. I'll read a couple of quotes here from Influence. You're still with me? Alright. Because then we're doing a very poor job out of it, especially then especially take a businessman that's not even called to the work at all. See, when you do that, you're stepping beyond your boundaries. He says there's many people out, even in the pulpit tonight, preaching that oughtn't to be there. Because it's more of a meal ticket or to be popular amongst the people. All right, now I'm dealing about pulpits and ministries, but we can apply it to any area of life. All right. He says, or to have a little more than someone else's got, or to have a few praise for somebody patting you on the back or something. That's very true. People actually don't want the position, they want the respect. They want the pat on the back. 
And so Brother Brown says, stay away from that. Humble yourself. He says, we mustn't ever get to a, that place. We must always remember that God wants us to be humble. Amen. The way up is down. Humble yourself and you're exalted. And if you exalt yourself, you will be brought to be abased. The Apostle Paul, speaking in Acts chapter 20, he said to, as he's going down to Jerusalem, and he's speaking now to the elders of the church at Ephesus. He says, you know, from the first day that I came into Asia, what manner I have been with you at all seasons. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Now he's coming down to the last trip of his life. He's going to Jerusalem. He knows that bonds await him. He's going to be sent to Rome. He's going to write some epistles. He's going to end his life. All right. He's coming down to the end. And he says, you know how I was among you in all humility. You read in other parts of the Bible where it says, oh, Paul, his letters are weighty, but his presence is meek or, or very uh, insignificant. And what, what was that? It was Paul recognizing it's not me. It's the Lord. I'm walking this way by amazing grace. Yes. Amen. That's why he said the things, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, I was a stock of Israel, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, I was of the tribe of Benjamin, learned at the feet of Gamaliel. You know, he just listed all his, his uh, human assets, so to speak, and just laid it all down and said, you know what? I count it all but dumb. I count it all as sewage to be taken away by the sewage system far away from me. Hello. And so he says, those things I I don't count as value that I may win Christ. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection. That I may even attain unto the resurrection from the dead. And, And so he's describing this now. He says, now what is Paul doing? This is the apostle Paul. The word Paul means small. He even took on a name that means small. And he says, I'm the least of all the apostles. Matter of fact, I'm the least of all that is Christ. He says, because I've done things that I, I have trouble even thinking about them. And I was consenting unto the death of Stephen. And I, I allowed and caused many of the believers to be put to death. And different things that I participated in. And he thought, how could God even choose me? I'll tell you what, it's amazing grace. It's not because I did something good. I was bad. I did many things wrong, so I'm not walking this way saying, Paul is great. No, Paul, Saul became Paul because Paul is very small and insignificant. But yet as Paul humbled himself, what name do we constantly mention? The Apostle Paul. As he humbled himself, God lifted him up and gave him a name. You know, even David, as God said to David, he says, I took you from the sheep coat and I gave you a name. You you stayed humble, but I gave you a name. Because you were willing to be a man after my own heart. You were willing to carry out my word. You were willing to accept my thoughts about things. 
You know, even Brother Branham from a very weak and insignificant life from the hills of Kentucky and a, a poor education and as far as, uh, you know, being from uh, uh, Jeffersonville, which was not a nice place. Oh, that's news to you, is it? The history of Jeffersonville is not a nice place. Has a lot of racial tension and a lot of different things that went on in that town and different things throughout the age. It was not a nice place, but God put a man there in his humility and gave him a name till even the preachers of this hour, many of whom maybe Brother Ernie knows and says, he was the greatest of them all. His ministry was greater than anyone. You can put all the evangelists of that era on one end of the scale and William Branham on the other end and he would outweigh them all. Was it William Branham standing there and saying, look what I've done? No, he says, I'm nothing. And he's everything. He that exalts himself will be abased. But let this mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you. Who am I anyway? Nothing but a sinner saved by grace. Why did God choose me? Why did God allot me to this wage? Why did God allow enough in my thoughts that I, I, I would come to the word of this hour and be quickened by it? Who is Tim Dodd? Nothing of the nothings. Hello? Oddball of the oddballs? Okay, you don't want to be associated with me? That's fine. I'm an oddball. I'm a nothing. I came this way, and every day of my life, I just say, Lord, you blessed me. Lord, you it's all you. Any good thing in my life is because you did it. You allowed these things to happen. You brought me through my trials. You gave me the victories. You blessed me along the way. It's nothing but the mind of Jesus Christ. It's what He did, not what I did. I have so much here. But I'm going to close it. You've got to come the right kind of approach to God. If you come selfish. If you come in any other approach but the right mental attitude towards God or any divine gift. You'll never receive the benefits of it. You've got to come with your surrendered all to God. Then he talks about the Syrophoenician woman. He says, what would you do if God calls you a dog? I trust I'd be like her and say, that's the truth, Lord. But even the dogs of this world eat the crumbs from their master's table. And you're my master. So I just came for the crumbs. Amen. I just came for what little I could get. But even the crumbs is good enough for me. Amen. Have we come to a message church for crumbs or have we come for the filet mignon? Why did you come to church tonight? Why did you come for? Say, well, if it's not filet mignon, I'm not interested. Lord, let me be like the Syrophoenician woman. Say, Lord, if I just get a crumb tonight, I'll go out of here happy. If I just get a little something from you tonight, I know you're here, Lord, tonight. And I want you to come by my way, even if it's just a crumb, I'd just be your dog, Lord, licking the crumbs off the floor that you drop from your table. That's good enough for me. Amen. Whatever you want me to have, Lord, that's what I want. Whatever you reveal to me, that's what I want to know about. Whatever you make known, just direct it the way you want it to go. Brother Branham says, if, 
You want power, see how humble you can get. Oh, praise God. We all say we want power. We want the power of the spoken word. We want to just speak things into existence. We want to travel in a thought. You want that? Humble yourself. See how humble you can get. Be more humble tomorrow than you've ever been in your life. Amen. Oh, this is so anti-Laodicean tonight, isn't it? Perilous times. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. Boasters. Proud. Blasphemers. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. You can be conformed to that if you want. That's just deformity. Let me have the mind that's in Christ Jesus tonight. Just get away from all your worldly thinking, he says. And humble yourself before God. Then you've got more power than the man that runs all over the building and makes a big lot of noise. Because you have been able to conquer yourself and commit yourself to Christ to humble yourself before Him. That's really power. He goes further. You want more? As we come to a close here, musicians might as well come. He says, you show me a church that's humble. Real humble. Not an arrogant church. Just a sweet, humble church. I'll show you a church that has the favor and power of God in it. That's the thing it takes. Humility. Humbling ourselves before God and letting God just work through us. Let this mind, the mind that has wisdom, let this mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you. Let's stand together. Brother Branham says one last quote. 1954. Message on pardonable sin. He says, I've been through depression. I've been through prosperity. I've seen it all together. But I wouldn't turn loose the hand of Jesus Christ for all the money and all the wealth that you could pile on the face of the earth. And everything else, he says. He's my friend when I'm broke. He's my friend when I got plenty. I love him when I'm hungry. And I love him when I'm filled. I love him when I'm in sorrow. I love him when I'm happy. I love him because I love him because he first loved me. Amen. Draw me near. Draw me near. I'm thine, O Lord. I am thine, O Lord. I have heard thy voice and it
sing the second verse, I want you to think about your calling. God has called you to be His bride in this age. Let me just say that again. He has called you not to be the bride of Laodicea. He's called you not to be a church. He's called you to be His bride. The bride and the bridegroom have to come into one mind. You can't tell the one from the other. She thinks like he thinks. She acts like he acts. She loves like he loves. She knows him. She has his word and she knows what he wants done with it. That's the way Brother Branham put it. You've been called to this place. And many times Laodicea, the mind of the world, tries to distract you from your placing. Your position. Brother Branham said one of the great things. I think it's also in trying to do God a service. One of the great things of this hour. Two of the great things he says in that message. He says number one. He says the rock that was hewed off the mountain. And the people were told to look there. He says that's very important. Number two he says the vision of the bride in preview. Where the last ones just got out of step. He says it's very important to tell them, get in line or stay in line. The devil's attacking you in your mind because he wants your mind. But the word of God is on the battlefront. We need to, as Brother Brown said, get the general on the battlefront. Just say, Lord, I want your thoughts in my mind. I want to look at everything in my life in the way that the thoughts of Jesus Christ are supposed to work. And as we sing this second verse, have we got it up there? Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord. By the power of grace divine. It's not the power of your will. It's not the power of your ability. It's grace divine. It's grace that's taking us in. It's not according to, you need to live like this or you need to live like that. Listen, if we don't have grace, we're not going to make it. Yes, the word has come to push us further. The word has come to raise us up above the things of the world, without a doubt. But it's grace that's taking us there. It's the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope. And let my will be lost in thine. How many will make that your prayer tonight as we sing it together? Just say, Lord, this is what I mean tonight. Amen. Consecrate me now, yes, Lord, to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Oh, let my soul, yes, Lord, with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in life. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou Oh, to the
bow our heads together. You know why you're here tonight? Because you want to be a better person. That's why we're here. We want to be drawn near. We want to be more like Him. We want to put on His thoughts. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. That's why we're all here. So if we're, as we close in prayer, let's just say, Lord, that's my heart. Let the word that you spoke during this service just bring me a step closer to you tonight. From glory to glory, make me more in your likeness and in your image. Take the word and wash me of worldly thinking. Wash me of of the devil's temptations and his battle tactics that can only be defeated by the word of God. And take me, Lord, and make me holy thine. Heavenly Father, Lord, that is why we have come tonight. We're in church because we want to be more like you. We're in church, Lord, because we want the revelation of your word. We desire it with all of our hearts. And Lord, as we're here this evening, oh God, if someone has the least little twinge, says, Lord, make me more like you. Lord, that's you working on their soul. That's you battling the enemy in their mind. That's you confronting the devil's tactics and exposing him, Lord, that he might be powerless before the church. And Lord, we're asking in the moving of your spirit tonight by the preaching of your word. And Lord, as we stand in your presence under this prayer, Lord, may your Holy Spirit break fetters amongst the people tonight. If anyone is bound in their mind, if anyone is keep going around in a circle of a thought, Lord, may it be broken tonight. May the power of hell be defeated and may the gates of hell give way to the name of Jesus Christ. We're asking, Lord, your blessing upon every individual, upon every son, upon every daughter of God. Lord, take the word that was spoken tonight and break it to your people, oh God. We can say things, Lord, but we can't reveal them. You alone are the revealer of the word. Lord, bless your children tonight with a mighty blessing. May they go from here and say, my God is real. Oh, he's real in my soul. He's real in my spirit. He's real in my flesh. There's nobody like him. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. We thank you for this opportunity to be together this midweek. We thank you, Lord, for your grace in our lives, oh God. Thank you for journeying mercies, Lord. Thank you for watching over us and keeping us safe. We love you. As Brother Adam said, we love you in the good times and in the bad times. That love is unbreakable because you first loved us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus Christ's name. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me near, near, yes, Lord, oh, blessed Lord, to thy precious name.
Spirit Son. Amen. I trust the Lord spoke to you tonight. I didn't think I would be preaching tonight, and here I am. It's good to see you all. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Do you know how blessed you are? Do you really understand how blessed you are? In this insane age, to be able to gather together around the revealed Word of God, feeding on the unfailing body Word of the Son of Man. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God bless you. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name. Shake hands with someone. Ask God to bless them too. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.